Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go through a small series on Ephesians uh, for the next four or five weeks. So uh, it's a great part of the Bible, and we'll be looking at it piece by piece as we go through. Well, I don't know about you, but I know there are days when I get a bit and feel a bit bleh about being a Christian. Uh, about Christianity itself, there are times when I think, is this it? Is this, am I really wanting to do all this? Is this what it's all about? You know, there are days when I feel, uh, is it really worth it? Uh, there are days when I wake up on Sunday and I think, wouldn't it be great to stay in bed, maybe hit the beach, maybe, maybe lays around all day, and then Karina reminds me that I've got to go and preach, so I've got to get up and go. There are times on Tuesdays when I think, do I really want to go out tonight? Do I really want to go out and spend time with those blokes? Not that the blokes are fun, but do I really want to go out and spend time? Do I really want to go and spend time studying the Bible? Do I, would it be easy just to kick back and stay at home? There are times when I think, do I want to read the Bible? There are times when I think, do I really want to pray? Now, there are times when it's the exact opposite as well, isn't there? There's times when I think, yes, I want to get out there. I want to be there. I want to be there on Sunday. Yes, I want to get up and read my Bible. Yeah, I want to go out and pray to God. But then there are times when it's just blah. I'm a weird person. Uh, We are weird people, aren't we? When it can, sometimes we can actually feel jaded as a Christian, can't we? We can feel jaded. Well, what's the way to stop feeling jaded? Well, I think the way to stop feeling jaded is actually stop looking at the jaded side of things and start looking at something far brighter and far brilliant than ourselves. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at a beautiful jewel. We're going to see something that is so bright that it will knock your socks off. We're going to read through Ephesians chapter 1. It's one of the parts in the Bible where the brightness and the brilliance of God just shines through and you're awestruck by what you see. Uh, It sweeps you up and it takes you from that jaded sense of a Christian and it makes you burst with enthusiasm for the God of our salvation. As we look at that this morning, let's just take time to gather it in. Uh, this, uh, This is one of the most beautiful parts of the Bible and I hope that this morning that I don't take the edge off it. Because there is a sense that I feel that as I try to explain and encourage you into this passage that I might actually take a bit away from it because it is a startling passage of the Bible. So please, even if you don't hear me today, just contemplate what you're reading and think about what it's saying to you. So let's look at it. Let's look at the passage. Dave, you just flick to the next one, matey. Let's have a look at chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. 1 to 2 there first. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me just stop there. Let me just say, firstly, we can see that the author of this letter is Paul. And he's writing to some people in a place called Ephesus. And he's writing to people called the saints. So if he's writing to the saints, is he just writing to a few people who've been beatified because they've done some miracles in their lifetime or someone's prayed to them and a miracle has happened to them? No. He's writing to all the people in Ephesus who love and follow Jesus. 
You see, the word saint here is the word hagios in Greek, which is the ones to be holy. The people have been made holy. The people who have been made holy are the people who trust and believe in Jesus. They have been washed clean and made, been made holy with God. So what Paul is writing to here is to all the people in the church at Ephesus. What he's saying to you this morning, he's writing to all the people who are sitting here this morning who trust and believe in Jesus. You are the saints. Ron, stand up please. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Saint Ron. There. B, stand up. Let me introduce you to Saint B. Welcome, Saint B. Kent. Look, even long-haired people, blokes can be. Stand up, mate. Let me introduce you to Saint Kent. Everyone stand up. Stand up. Introduce you to the person beside you. Say, Saints, I'm Saint such and such. Welcome to Saint Saint Hayes. All right, that's enough. Sit down now. I can let you right now, right now, you can put on your business card Saint such and such and you can hand it out to people. If you trust and believe in Jesus, you are a saint. You have been made holy and you will stand before God for eternity, perfect forever. Now, if that doesn't get your blood going, in the very first couple of seconds of this passage, I don't know what does. That is a stunning thing, isn't it? That is a stunning statement in that very first couple of words. You are saints. God sees you as saints. When the saints come marching in, that's all of us. Not just St Kilda. It's the saints. Well, it gets better than that. Because as he says saints here, he says, you're the saints, I'm writing to you. And then now Paul comes in with his burst of amazing stuff from verses 3 onwards. You see, Paul from verse 3 to verse 14 in the original Greek is one sentence. Paul does not pause for breath. He gets up and he just goes whoosh with this wonderful statement about who you are in Christ. It's a stunning bit of writing. It's like, you know, when you get that really exciting news. Uh, the other day I picked up someone's child from school and as I picked them up and took them, he didn't stop telling me about what he'd done at school. He just started and he kept going all the way home and then he came into the office and he kept telling me the whole time. He didn't draw breath. I think it's got a lot to do with his parents and how they operate, but he didn't. It was great. He just blurted it all out. He couldn't hold it in. And that's Paul here. This passage is something that he is so passionate about, he wants to just let it all out. He wants to let it come out and gush out and hit every one of you here this morning. A couple of years ago, we went to Minion Falls. I don't know whether you've been to Minion Falls, up behind Lismore there. It's a stunning falls. We went up uh, after a hockey game one day. It was in the winter. And uh, we walked into Minion Falls. We went down the bottom and then made our way in. And the closer you get to Minion Falls, the bigger the sound it gets and the noise of the, of the falls just gets bigger and bigger and then if I remember rightly you go down this little dip and then you come up over this boulders of rocks and there before you 
is this phenomenal falls. This huge amount of water just cascading down and covering everything that's there. Now, because it was winter, we didn't go for a swim. But they tell me that people do swim in there and as they go into those falls, uh, they, the water just cascades around them and it's an exhilarating feeling as they allow all that to just wash all over you. As I read this passage to you, I'm not going to draw breath. I'm going to start from verse 3 and go to verse 14. Let it cascade over you. Dive into the waters and feel the exhilaration of Paul but feel the exhilaration of how God speaks about what he has done for you. Let me read it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. You just see Paul just laying that out. Wow! There is just so much in those verses. You could spend a year just contemplating almost one phrase at a time what that means. I'm going to pick up on three. And I'll wrap a few things around that. But there are just three things I want to draw out for you this morning. Three things that will take us from being jaded to just praising God and his glory and his beauty. As I said, I hope I don't take away from the beauty of this passage, but let's hope as we look at these three facets of this beautiful jewel that we'll get a picture that will just take us to want to praise God. The three things I'm going to look at are the fact that, firstly, that we're adopted. Secondly, the benefits of that adoption. And thirdly, the security of that adoption. Well, let's have a look at verses 5 and 6. So, Dave, you just go back. Yeah, just stay there, mate. That'd be great. Thanks. Look at verses 5 and 6 again. Just, just look at what it says. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons, his children, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. I know a number of people, and you may know some people too, who have adopted children. Uh, have gone down that path. I've known some people have gone down that path. I've known some people have actually adopted some children. It's a long 
an arduous path that you have to take, but it has a wonderful outcome. One family I met, uh, as I got to meet them, they were almost at the last stages of that adoption process. Uh, it was an exciting time for this family. Uh, they were unable to have children, uh, but they had worked through the process and they'd been approved. They'd now chosen a child and they're on their way, just about to go and pick up this child that they'd adopted. The child that they had adopted came from a single mum who'd already had one child already. Uh, this was a second child. She was from a third world country and she would not have been able to afford to keep the second child. So the mother gave up her child to be adopted. That child would have struggled for the rest of their life if they had to stay where they were. It would have been a pretty sad life for them. So these parents who were going to adopt this child were so excited. They were very nervous, but they were also extremely on the edge the fact that they were going to pick up their new son. Even before they met their new son, they loved him. And when they picked him up, their love grew even deeper. Now, if you see that child and you see that family together, uh, it's an amazing uh, thing. The, the love that's in the parents' eyes, the love that are in the child's eyes. Uh, that child is in a caring, loving home that will support and look after that child for a long time, for the rest of his life. Now, don't get me wrong, it hasn't been easy. Uh, even since the child's been with them, there have been struggles uh, with that adoption process, uh, trying to work out who they are, working out who the child is. As the child gets older, he works out he doesn't look like his mum and dad. There, there are struggles within that. But when you see the smile on the parent's face and the smile on the child's face when they look at each other, that picture is priceless. The joy on our Heavenly Father's face when he looks at you and I, his adopted children, is even brighter and more wonderful than that. You see, we too were in a situation of despair. We too were heading for a life of disaster apart from God. We too were on a road to being separated from God forever. But God has stepped in through his son Jesus and adopted us into his family. And you notice too that it actually wasn't us who chose God, that he actually chose us. Just like those parents who chose that adopted child, that adopted child didn't know it, but God has chosen us as well. As that adopted child sees his mother now and grabs hold of them, that love is mutual. And the same with us, as we see that and see what God has done for us, that love is mutual. But God has made the first step to us. You see, God has signed our adoption papers before the beginning of time. Look at verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. That's what it means to be predestined. It was God who chose us first and then we reached out to him with our arms and grabbed hold of him. Now there's a big, big, big field opened up in that whole concept of what it means to be predestined. But as you look at this passage, you can't get away from the fact that it was God who took on us first. And I tell you what, you want to be thankful for that. Because it was left up to you and I, we wouldn't have grabbed God at all. He's reached out to us and adopted us first. And then we grab hold of him. And all that is only possible through Jesus. 
You see, it says it was because of Jesus that he did that, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Our adoption process, those papers before had been stamped and the problem with it had been stamped with not to be adopted because you've rejected God, because of the things that we've done wrong, because of our sin. It's stamped on top and that seal is around us. But Jesus comes in and he removes that seal. Through his death and resurrection he comes and he takes that seal off and opens us up so that we can be adopted by God. That is a wonderful God, isn't it? Who has done that for us? Jesus is the only one who removes that seal. He's the only one that allows us to be part of that family for eternity. And this adoption is to show the glory of God. See, it says, to his praise and his glorious grace. Grace is unmerited favour. Grace is giving something to us that we don't deserve. Grace is a God who reaches out to us even though we turn our back on him and says, you're mine. And pulls us in says, you're part of my family and I'm going to hold you forever. That's a God that is to be praised. So we are adopted into his family. God has made us his own when we don't deserve it. He has signed those papers. He has sealed them. He has made us his. And because he's made us his, then we have some amazing blessings that are ours. Look at verse 7. We have redemption. That is, we have been saved from God's wrath. We have been saved from his anger. We have been taken out of the position of having to face God as his enemy and be made his friend. That is huge. God's anger will not last on us at all. It's been removed because Jesus stood in for us and took our place. And now we have forgiveness. We have been set free. God forgives us from everything that we have done wrong. I don't know whether you've uh, seen Spider-Man 3, but I saw it last night, uh, the other night there. And in Spider-Man 3, Spidey goes bad in the middle of it. And, uh, and he's out and he takes revenge. So before Spidey was good, he'd do lots of great things. But in the middle of it, 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 the badness comes out in him. And he goes around and he starts getting revenge on the people that he didn't like. And in one scene, he grabs up one of this guy and shoves him up against the, uh, the wall and holds him up there. And this guy's pleading for mercy. And Spider-Man holds him there. He says, if you want forgiveness, then you go to religion. And then walked out powerful Spider-Man in almost the very last scene looks at someone who's asking for forgiveness and this is after he's turned back again he says I forgive you and you could see the freedom that came across his face when he knew he was forgiven you see the opposite of forgiveness is revenge and binding and being destructive and being held captive. Forgiveness sets us free from that. We have been set free by Jesus to live for him. We are no longer bound by the sin that kept us. We are no longer kept restrained by that. We are free to live for him. We have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. And it keeps going. Look at verse 8. 
and he's lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He's made known to us the family secrets that all things are under Jesus. He's made known to us that life is about living as Jesus is our king. That's the secret to life. It's not a book. It's living your life under the kingship of Jesus. That's the secret to eternity. Living with him as your king. In life, before we know anything, before we do anything, we need to be thinking, will this please my king? That's a big question we have to ask. Will this relationship that I'm about to head into please my king? Will this business deal that I'm about to go into, will this please my king? Will the way I behave at school, will that please my king? Will the next word I say please my king? Now that's not a burden to be had. It's not something that's to be a yoke around your neck. It's to be a freedom thing. It sets you free to live for him. Not be bound up in unforgiveness and resentment and revenge. To see how beautiful our saviour is. How merciful is our God. But can our adoption be annulled? Is there a way for it to be lost? Can we lose it? Will we one day be kicked out of our family? What's our security here? Is it, do we have a security in this? Can we hold on to this? I want to say to you right now that God desires that you feel absolutely, completely secure in his love and his power. Everything around you may be shaky and your experience of love and a family may not be the best. It may even be horrific for you. You may have been let down by those that have loved you. But let me assure you that God will not let you down. And he gives you a gift for your security. Look at verse 13. Then we go to the next page, Dave. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and the glory, to his praise and glory. God gives us a gift of his spirit. He gives us his spirit to live in us. He seals us with his spirit. He takes the seal of the adoption paper that says do not adopt and he puts his seal of child of God inside of us. The seal that says you are mine. The Holy Spirit is God's seal on you. Your guarantee that nothing can take you away. A seal of authenticity. You have God's trademark in you. It's no external thing. It's not like a tat. It's not like the Nike swoosh that says this is a product of. But it's God's Spirit within you. Something that cannot be taken away from you. It's His mark of the gospel. It's his promise to you, his guarantee to you that he'll take you through to the end. 
that eternity cannot separate you from the love of God in Christ. That is the guarantee of the Spirit. God's guarantee that he will bring you home. When I proposed to Karina, I was only a poor student. Uh, I was at uh, uni doing PE studies. And uh, to show my commitment to Karina and uh, my promise to her, I wanted to give her a ring, but I couldn't afford it. So I borrowed money off Karina to buy her ring for her. That was a darn good ring. It looked pretty good. And I didn't have to pay for it, so it was even better. No, it was a lovely ring. But as I gave that ring to Karina, that was a sense of me promising to her that I will be hers forever. Promise that she will be mine forever. It was a deposit that I will go and be married to her and she will be mine. The Holy Spirit is the deposit of God upon our hearts in our lives that he will be ours forever and that we will be his. How great a God do we have? Stunning, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is his guarantee, is his seal that he will take you home to his family. Your adoption is secure. You can't be taken away. And it's all for his praise. Did you notice that? Did you notice as you read through that there was a continual refrain that kept coming back, that kept coming out? What are the benefits? What about being part of adopted? What are the benefits of it? What's the security of it? It's all to bring glory to God. In verse 3 it says, Praise be to God. In verse 6 it says, To pray to his praise of his glorious grace. In verse 12, That we may be for his praise and glory. And then verse 14 to finish off it says, To the praise of his glory. As adopted children, as saints who've been given redemption, who have the freedom of forgiveness, who know the secret of life, who have been given the Holy Spirit to live inside us, to be our security, as people who know that you are loved right through eternity. What other response can we give but praise God? Now that blows the blues away, doesn't it? That just takes it completely away. This morning, guys, let's take that jadedness. Let's put it to the side. Let's focus ourselves upon the brightness of the brightest jewel that there is, the God of our salvation, who loved you from the beginning, loves you through eternity. Let's pray. Lord, we are just sit stunned as we think about what we've just read and what we've just heard. and As we think, Lord, about how wonderful you are. Lord, we don't deserve it. We really don't. So often we can uh, fall short of what it means to live for you. But yet, Lord, you lift us up. You draw us to yourself. You confirm to us that we are yours, that you are ours, that we are your family, 
your sons and daughters, Lord, now and for eternity. We want to praise you for that, Lord. We want to praise you for our whole lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.